0: Hey, this is Timothy Brown, co-designer of the Dark Sun Universe, and you're listening to Bone, Stone, and Obsidian, the Dark Sun Podcast. Welcome to Bone, Stone, and Obsidian, a Dark Sun podcast. I'm your host, Robert.
1: And I'm Jesse.
0: And in this episode, we have the pleasure of talking about a new Dark Sun product. New is in quotes there. Uh, well, new in the sense that it's, it's public, finally. We're talking about Secrets of the Deadlands and the Emissary with Jack Meyer, Athos.org's newest Templar. Welcome, Jack.
2: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So before we get into the Deadlands, let's kind of talk about what's going on in the Dark Sun community uh mark hope continues his modified 2e campaign on the lawful stupid twitch channel they're now kind of getting into the dragon's crown adventure which i think he's saying is like the you know the end of this campaign um you can find them on twitch and they also have a podcast version of a land uh, which we'll put a link in the show notes uh mark you can hosted... catch
2: a few of them on youtube as well
0: yeah yeah um mark posted a bunch of his Dark Sun content on the Lawful Stupid blog. So if you like kind of the way they're running the game, you can check all that out. And most recently, he posted some changes he made to uh, to weapon grouping. In addition, uh, Josh, has, uh, which is a Phasian runner on Twitter, has finished his release of Chapter 1 of our Ashes of Athos 5e playthrough. So we played that for... A few months, and uh, those are all up. Uh, We haven't gotten together to play the second chapter, although I would really like to. Um, Jesse, why don't you uh, continue on there?
1: Sure. Well, uh, we're still getting a lot of content in the Dark Sun Public Files folder, and we'll have a a link to that in our show notes. But it's really exciting to see that there's still so much interest in the setting after so many years and that people are willing to just go out of their way to create their own material and then put it out in the world. Um, Something that obviously our guest here has epitomized with these new releases that we're talking about. And uh, the Dark Sun Adventures blog, which is a, a regular repository of Dark Sun content, has put out a new Braum art retrospective. They posted a new monster, the Akedis, uh, and another Dark Sun fable, The Hunters and Their Prey. These are wonderful little stories that help you to sort of characterize the feel of the world of Athos and some of the the pearls of wisdom that would come from the people that live in this kind of a setting. Um, really interesting stuff. If you haven't checked it out, you should definitely go give their website a look. Wicked.
0: Definitely. Um, and Vorpal Tales, which is a newcomer to Dark Sun, is starting a, a new Dark Sun actual play. They just started on March 8th it's on Tuesdays at seven p seven p m Eastern time on Verbal Tales Twitch channel, and again we'll put the show that that link in the show notes.
1: I'm super excited about this. One of my old gaming friends from Los Angeles is involved in this, um, and so I'm very eager to see her experiences as a, a psionicist in Dark Sun.
0: Awesome. Uh, how how are they doing um, the psionics in that? Uh,
1: she hasn't told me yet. Like ah. because they're still like. Getting everything settled in, uh-huh. um, the like the, there's some degree of things are being dialed in and some degree of, well, we don't want to spoil anything yet, you know, um, surprise. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I, I've talked to her about the the fact that she's going to be playing a human psionicist and she's very eager to do Dark Sun stuff. Uh, and so I'm really stoked to see where this goes.
0: Nice. Well, let's get into our main topic, Secrets of the Deadlands and the Emissary Adventure. Uh, this is your warning, though. After this moment, we'll be uh, deep in spoiler land. Um, although we'll try to keep the actual spoilers for the emissary somewhat limited. But just in but talking about it, it's, it's just going to be there. There's gonna nobody be
1: there. can really control Jack, though.
2: So That's right. That's it's right. not too late to turn <laughs> back. <laughs>
0: Editor's note, at some point in this conversation, Jack mentions the sunset sea. He meant to say the sunrise sea.
2: I actually uh, was uh, given the original box set when it first came out as a gift back when uh, when I was young and pretty, you know, many many, many centuries ago uh, now. And uh, it's it, yeah, so I, I I'd been a fan since uh, literally since its launch, and uh, I mean as soon as we got it, we started using it and uh, going through it. And yeah, I, I kept playing it all the way until I took a big break from uh, Dungeons and Dragons back in uh, about 2000 and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great from all role playing games in 2004 and it's only really been yeah since about 2020 when the in the first main lockdown here in the United Kingdom that I've actually gotten back into it again and uh, I kind of fell in love with uh, the 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 setting again of, through Athos.org, uh, what what you guys had done with uh, constructing a full timeline and with the, the the all the maps you guys had I'd seen just how much the setting had grown in my mm-hmm. absence and that it kind of it kind of hooked me
0: nice so we're here to talk about secrets of the deadlands so tell us what is secrets of the deadlands for those who don't know
2: okay so well as you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier uh in the the very uh there, there were a handful of projects that were still that were still happening right in the last days of tsr just as the company was being sold to wizards of the coast and uh one of them was re- well focused on a, a large section of the map that was just south of the endless dunes South of the Tablelands, and you can can see it in the uh, 2E revised map, and it's even mentioned in the Wanderer's Journal, and he referred to it in passing as the Deadlands. And so this this has always stayed as like a big, literal big black spot on the map for as long as uh, that map has uh, existed. And as far as I've been able to ever, ever able to tell, I mean, looking at the original 2E manuscript, it was basically a correspondence between Tim Brown and his colleague as an initial draft concept, and it never got any further than that before the whole thing was abandoned. And it's just been floating around as, uh, as, as this sort of top secret document, don't show this to another soul for nigh on two decades. So what we've basically done is we've assembled a team and we've uh, finished what everyone else has started to actually get this thing out and finished and released.
0: Yeah, it was, you know, back in the you know the late 90s when when we were chosen to be the kind of official site they gave us this, this content both Drigath Ascending and Secrets of the Deadlands and Drigath mm-hmm. Ascending was was more complete and that's why it came out quicker uh and then Secrets of the Deadlands it kind of it, it it took a while because like you said it was very very incomplete um which meant that there was a lot of a lot of additional writing and then you know nobody really I mean at the time we had people that owned it but it uh you know just as fan um content tends to do uh you know it just ebbed and flowed with with interest and mm. there's been three different teams working on it and i am so thankful that uh jack picked this up because while like you know one of the reasons why i sort of drifted away from dark sun um and for from gaming for a while is i i, I didn't really want to convert stuff like i'm not a huge fan like i just want to create content and i, I want to play the game and so when, when it got into the weeds of converting things, I was just like, ah, oh, this is not what I want to do. And so I'm, I'm super glad that other people picked it up and that you have finally picked it up and released this. So, so thank you, Jack. I, I, you know, from the whole community, um, we appreciate it.
2: Well, that, that's very kind. I do appreciate that actually. I mean, really the reason why I got back into the this first case place was because, uh, this, I mean, the, the setting actually, has always, has always brought me joy. Uh, I, I, I grew up, uh, I grew up in the Southwest United States. So, I mean, I've, I've, got desert in my blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. not, I've, yeah, I've been, I've been living in London 20, 20 years, but I, you know, I'm, you, you can you can take the guy out of the desert, but not the, the <laughs> desert out of the guy. But, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, I I wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of, uh, g- give back some of that joy back to the community. I mean, it's, it's a, to sort of share some of that, uh, enthusiasm. One of the things, one of the first products I ever did when I first joined back again was, uh, Based on all the things I found on the map and all the new lore and content, I did this series called Dark Sun Destinations. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you remember this. These, these totally. little uh, mini stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was about forty-two of them as a serial that was running on the Facebook Dark Sun group. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that that uh, and that it, it's about that uh, <clears throat> wonder of exploration, which I think is an underrated aspect of the setting. Uh, you don't really get that, uh, that 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 quite that same drama. In, mo- in most other of the of the uh, Dungeons and Dragons settings, to my knowledge, I mean you might see it in some other role playing games, but you but it's almost completely non-existent in most of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, except for maybe Spelljammer.
0: Yeah, definitely. I you know, and I, I definitely remember those destinations. And thinking about that, you know, I know a lot of people are not on Facebook, you know, for various reasons. We should really grab those out of the Facebook group. Uh, I don't know if you have collated those anywhere, but we really should grab those and maybe just like make a, uh, you know, a simple product out of
1: it. You could do a release. Oh. Yeah. Just yeah. of all those different destinations.
2: Totally. It, it's, it's, it's a fun idea. Uh, I have all the original write-ups. I, I wrote it up on my own machine before I ever posted it. So I actually mm-hmm. have all the originals and all the, uh, all the crazy Photoshop I did. Nice. Uh, well, yeah. Now that
1: you've taken, uh, Seekers of the Deadlands across the finish line, you, uh, uh, have all the skills and, and power, ha ha ha, necessary <laughs> to do another project, right?
2: This should be easy. No problem. But as it happens, <laughs> while, while, you, while you're on that subject, uh, we actually do have quite a few things in the pipeline <laughs> yep. on this. Uh, so the Secrets was only was only meant, to, and the Emissary were only meant to be the first two of basically four books. So we have Terrors of the Deadlands, which gives the, the bestiary. We have Secrets of the Deadlands, which gives the history and setting. We have Faces of the Deadlands, which is coming soon. Which is uh, has a, this is a description of, of not only all the NPCs, but it's actually their stories. So it's it's actually filling in the the uh, the additional lower end details and actually kind of giving a more you can almost say human face and culture to the Deadlands. Uh, so that that's the that's the book we're currently finishing right now. It's nearly over the finish line.
0: So so close. And and how many how many NPCs are in that book?
2: Uh, Two hundred and forty one. I believe I I I I kind of lost count around 240. <laughs> but yeah no the, yeah. The, the, it, seriously these four books together if this were released as a printed product it would be a large box set like one of yeah. those heavy ones. Well, yeah. A long way since Rogues Gallery.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And when you yeah. when I've been hearing the you know I've been in the Discord kind of watching people talk about the f- different faces uh, characters and you know when I heard that there were you know over 240. Uh, NPCs and they're all you know super detailed. They're all third edition NPCs too, so you know they are. They have lots of lots of crunch in there, um, which is amazing that your team has been able to to do that with so many different NPCs. I think I think that was probably one of the reasons, you know, scope creep is why things have been delayed so long on this project is because yes, um, so much of that has happened. But it's you know really fantastic that you have gathered such a great group and. Going back to Jack, uh, you know, having, you know, having another idea for, for a project, like, that's what happens, you, you know, you, you show that you can do something, and then all of a sudden, everyone's like, well, hey, let's do this, and let's do this, and so uh, that's great, you know, don't get overwhelmed, um, just do what you want to do, and don't feel bad if at any point you, you got to be like, hey, I need to, I need to step back, you know, because... It can it can get overwhelming
2: <laughs> that's, it's, uh, it's uh, the uh, the fundamentals of project management and, yep. it, and and I think that's what it is is that uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I mean when I first when I first got my hands on uh, like the uh, the second uh, the second edition manuscript it's like okay this is no problem I can convert this so I, I thought I'd do this on my own I, I give it a nice second second edition uh, you know formatting set you know complete with those red headers and uh, I added some 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 images I found online it's like no problem but then as i started digging deeper into it and i realized oh wait a second uh, we for legal reasons we can't do this in second edition we have mm-hmm. to do this in third edition mm-hmm. and then suddenly i realized this is not a small project this is actually <laughs> a mammoth project yes. it's like the, the, the more i scratched the surface the uh, the, the the deeper the hole went mm-hmm. and so it, it, the, the only way to do this was to i mean you can there, there's no way one of the problems you have with some of these bigger projects is there's no way one person can do it you have to set up a system to where you actually get enough people together to where if one person can step away the whole thing doesn't come to a grinding halt mm-hmm. uh, so you you, you need it you need to come up with a way that there's there's no bottlenecks and so that way people because volunteers let's face it there's only so much finite energy a volunteer is going to have mm-hmm. and that energy will fade uh, so there needs to be something that they get back from that from what they're doing they need to feel like their contribution means something and uh, and i think I think maybe that's what it is, is that uh, people who actually work that way or think that way with teams are kind of in short supply, you know, in uh, in in the field of like RPG development. I mean, there 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 aren't enough of them. Maybe that's the problem. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Project management and how to do that, you know, a lot of people in the industry, you know, do it because they love it, and so they want to write it or they want to do whatever mm-hmm. they want to do individual parts, and so yeah. You definitely need that project management aspect so speaking of which how did you do it how did you organize these people and and who who's on your team go ahead and give us some shout outs of, of who's on the team.
2: well I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up I have to pull up my list here so uh, we, <laughs> we the, the the team the team has gone has gone off and on uh, I mean cu- currently we're sitting about uh, 36 strong nice uh, but uh, but the, the, but that doesn't include uh, about another half dozen who've uh, uh, come and gone by the wayside mm-hmm. Uh and, w- and what it is is, uh, yeah. So I mean, the, they're uh, it's it, it, the the important thing is when you actually talk to people, you try and sort of get a bead as to kind of where their skills lie and where their energy lies. Mm-hmm. I work in teaching. I'm an educator. My, that's my day job. So my day job is figuring out where I can put somebody, how to sort of uh, how to sort of handle and manage somebody so that they can stay happy doing what they're doing, while while we well what we need to get 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 done gets done. So I guess it's a it's a cousin field to uh, project management, and it's been an interesting cast because we have we have some uh, some faces here who were actually working on the original third the original uh, first, they're working in the, one of the first two teams, such as uh, Methvesm or uh, Greyorm uh, mm-hmm. that are are two examples of people who actually were working on some one of the older teams, mm-hmm. uh, but then that, that, and we also have uh, uh, some uh, some newer guys uh, the DM's Revenge uh as Actually, uh, I mean, he—he's—he he was not part of one of the older teams, but he's—he's—he's uh, he, he's, he's been uh, kind of—he's effectively become my my head of quality control. Mm-hmm. But then we also have like we also have people like uh, what's 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 his name? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking to, I'm suddenly mind blanking on uh, <laughs> on names here as such. But Dark Interloper, but he's also mm-hmm. known as Anthony Morse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's, uh, he's been, uh, like, uh, he, he's, uh, I've never met anybody who knows as much about like fan fan and, uh, and lore that, uh, and an unofficial lore that's been written by other people. Nice. And, uh, it's, it's like a walking encyclopedia and I mean, but it's individuals like that, or just even just like, uh, Grimoire, the, uh, Sebastian, he's, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's it, 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 his charm offense. It is probably the reason why you and I have a dialogue at all. <laughs> And right. it's, it's, it's a reason why we even had the political thought that allowed this whole project to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, the list goes on. I mean, like uh, I, I could spend the entire podcast just talking about uh, each of these individuals. I mean, and it's interesting because they've been scattered all over the planet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we got, uh, so at any given time in the uh, discord, like literally 24 hours a day, someone's there.
0: Right.
2: So, so like, uh, so when I go to bed, the Americans will keep going. Mm-hmm. uh when uh, when when the americans go to bed the australians will keep going when the australians <laughs> go to bed the europeans kick in and and so on and so on and so on
0: that's awesome
1: that's fantastic uh, and and of course the part of the difficulty of this whole project is that while you're converting everything to third edition you're st- sharply limited in the resources that you can use things that Athos srd baby i hate it srd yeah so you've got to make 241 <laughs> characters for faces and they have to feel distinct when you have a limited palette it's sort of like you know being an artist and being told okay you have to paint everything in shades of blue but they all have to be different people and look interesting
2: well fortunately adam sis uh, uh, you know the dm's revenge he's uh he's east klein when it comes to dealing with blue so i'm not worried
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so, so, why don't you tell yeah. us about the the associated project, the emissary?
2: Well, <clears throat> when uh, I mean, it makes logical sense if you're going to put that much time into uh, an entirely new setting, which is this. I mean, uh, the uh, the deadlands are basically the size of the tablelands. So, uh, it's uh, a so setting that big. You need to have at least some way of actually getting the the character the uh, the players to play in it. So, they get an introductory adventure. The emissary is designed. It's designed as kind of a follow-on from Dragoth ascending. It's interestingly enough, because you mentioned that a little bit earlier. <laughs> uh, so, the, the Dragoth decides that he wants to. He needs more friends, so he sends. He takes a risk at seeing if there's anyone still alive in the Deadlands and sends an emissary down there. Uh, and uh, when the players hear about that, they realize what that could mean. And so the, the adventure kind of goes from there. I'm not going to give too much away in spoilers on that, but that's kind of enough. But it gives the the, the DM the players a. Uh, a solid grounding introduction as to what it's like to actually adventure in, uh, in the obsidian plane. Oof. And it's, uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I like the adventure. I mean, it's actually a pretty solid adventure, which is an uncommon thing for third edition anyway, <laughs> uh, let alone, th- let alone 3.5. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't feel it was enough. And so we're actually in the process right now of developing another book called adventures in the deadlines, which is another set series of modest adventures well, because we want people playing in our sandbox.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, nice. and so uh, if, if we've come up with a whole slew of ideas by all of us who spent way too much time reading this thing. We've each kind of come up with either a, a nice stack of adventure hooks or actual adventures themselves uh, that that take place in different areas of the lands. And uh, yeah, it, it gives, it gives a kind of a reason for actually spending all this time on the NPCs in the first place.
0: Ah, payoff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, I ran the emissary for one of my groups and they were, they were really quick to get out of there as soon as they could because they had to. They really <laughs> didn't have a lot of food or water, and they realized they really couldn't get a whole lot. So it's going to be really interesting to see how you and how the group um, kind of builds those adventures to keep people in, you know, without it getting tired of, like, okay, we don't have food. We don't have water because you can't get in the deadline. So, like, how, how that's going to happen um, Definitely interested to see how you guys build on that.
2: So, well, I I don't want to give away one. Uh, there, I I do want to kind of so sort of spill a little bit of beans sure, on this. But in the Adventures of deadlines, and it, uh, we're actually including a few, a couple new. Uh, well, we're including obviously new magic items, but we're including a couple uh, a couple new rules for role playing. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, well, I'll just tease it like this. Well, uh, you don't have to worry about leaving the deadlines if your character is already dead. Ah, <laughs> nice, yes, great.
0: That's fantastic. So you know we've kind of talked about you know talked around it and talked about the product and how it got to be here let 's actually talk about it so okay. what what is Secrets of the deadlands and and how you know what is it what is different from other dark sun products
2: Okay. Um. Uh, get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So uh, everything I'm about to say here is there's there's a full timeline in the first chapter, of Secrets of the Deadlands, and it actually shows kind of corresponding what's happening in the Deadlands as it uh, uh, compared to what's happening on the main Athasian timeline. But I want to actually give sort of a, a little bit of a wee summary here, uh, that, uh, to kind of give you an idea of kind of how everything fits together. Well, here we go. Okay. Uh, okay so we're going all the way back to when uh, the, the green age so when there's there, there still was a sunset sea and uh, in in the area south of tableland south uh, there was this place called ulian and it, uh, it it actually had been inhabited since the time of the blue age and because of the uh, some anomalies in the area uh all of the rebirth races had actually uh, settled there. It ended up becoming one of the most diverse places in the entire uh, entirety of Athas. And over time, uh, for trade reasons and for practicality, they coalesced in the cities. We, the biggest of these cities was known as Nargovos, and uh, it became, at, by the time by the time of the time of magic, by the time Rajat discovered uh, sorcery, uh, Nargovos was considered to be a beacon of scientific innovation and cultural diversity. And this is precisely why Rajat chose to make an example of the city. Uh, of all the of, of all the places on the planet, uh, Rajat could have started with his uh, war of ethnic cleansing. He chose Nargavos as his opening conquest. So he, he marched upon the city and laid a siege to it. And they, they lasted for many weeks, but eventually the city fell. And then his champions decided to test their strength across the entirety of the rest of Ulian, going through diaspora after diaspora of the different... Uh, rebirth races wiping out as many as they could on the smoldering ruins he also set up a team of researchers because of the anomalies in the area to use the land to, to finish his experimentation into extra-dimensional sources of power he wanted bigger weapons oh. and so he brought in one of his uh, best research uh, a very skilled researcher he put in charge was by the name of quith and uh, they spent well many centuries trying their best to explore the the, the secrets of the inner Plains. They were focused primarily on the elementals uh, and, and trying to find what was left of the parent, parallel elemental planes. Uh, we, we actually mentioned a little bit about in the book about the the, uh, the cosmology, that the naval, which is the, what they actually dubbed this research center. Their, their cosmology is actually mentioned in the book as well. And they came up with many artifacts that actually along these lines. And one of these artifacts was this gate, which was a direct channel for uh to to uh, to the inner planes for both the purposes of energy and transport unfortunately it got damaged in an attack and that damage uh resulted in it breaking and unleashing a a torrent of uh well the last thing they were actually researching which was obsidian and uh, so a torrent of molten obsidian flooded the entire basin and basically burning alive anything that was caught in its path and uh, it took it took many years for this layer of obsidian to cool but because of the nature of the gate because of the nature of the damage to the gate uh the the, the, the obsidian was also corrupted with negative energy from the gray and so when the actual victims of this uh, of this disaster this cataclysm uh, they, they awakened again they had actually been transformed into a new kind of undead uh where we have referred to in terrors of the deadlands as jen uh, and they've Literally clawed themselves out of the ground and began rebuilding their civilization. And so the Deadlands, as we see them now in, uh, well, Free Year 10, are the rebuilt kingdoms uh, of these first victims of the cleansing wars, but also many of the uh, undead, uh, the the, uh, victims of this cataclysm. And so there are something around about 15 factions currently inhabiting this land. Uh, some in The Leftovers of Nargavos, now known as the City of a Thousand Dead, and some in other uh, parts uh, of the the uh, landscape.
1: That's fascinating. So it's giant, black, endless obsidian plains that are totally inha- uninhabitable, but now filled with these ancient undead that have a wide range of very esoteric motivations. That's oh, going to yes. be a lot for Dark Sun PCs to take in. Like... These people are doing stuff that's stemming from research from thousands and thousands of years ago, and because they're no longer shackled by the needs for food and water and, and all of the things, the resources that go along with that, the, the kinds of research projects that they do and the motivations that they have are gonna be pretty inscrutable to your your typical mule wandering across the desert going, Hmm, my water skin's only half full now. So so how do PCs like interact with this when they get interjected into the, the deadlands? What are the, what what are they going to do to survive and and what sort of shenanigans do you see them getting up to?
2: Well, yeah. And and you got a point. It is interesting. I mean, the short answer is most PDCs below the below 13th level or below 13th or even ninth level wouldn't survive Hmm. unless they're seasoned at dealing with dead zones, unless they, uh, unless they're already prepared for how to deal with a language barrier, unless they've uh, unless they've had experience dealing with particularly powerful, in some cases, epic level undead. And so it, and so it, it's you can almost look at this entire setting as like a death trap for murder hobos. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, it, it's it, it's it, the, the the only way around like the dead thrones, for example. The only way around like some of the most powerful factions is diplomacy, mm-hmm. uh, or it, or to actually kind of sort of work within the system. Many of these, uh, m- many of these, the main leading cast of this uh, setting are actually uh, they're quite tough nuts. They, uh, let's put it this way: the dragon doesn't come down here. <laughs> we'll, we'll just kind of leave it at that <laughs> but in, terms of how the, in terms of how the, uh, the the characters would deal with this uh yeah it's, uh, that, that's one of the reasons why we wanted all these adventures because because of all of these esoteric uh, motivations but th- that's one of the important things about the setting i didn't want it to be like endless legions of the undead that only just want to eat people i wanted them to actually have personalities motivations and drives i wanted them to actually have ways even the most monstrous of these characters actually has a spark of humanity uh, so that you can actually communicate with them you can actually interact with them which makes it which makes it so much more worthwhile actually having such an npc that you, it's like a, it's, it's not it's not a matter of it's not how many strikes it takes to kill this thing it's uh well what does this what does this being actually want right and, then and they, that, that becomes a source of an adventure
1: and, and the, their wants are things that are more than just, well, they want a regular source of water. Well, they want metal weapons, well, things like that. Instead, yeah. it's they want closure on some relationship that happened 10,000 years ago. They want knowledge about this magical device that was buried in the obsidian back when the disaster happened.
2: Yeah. And some of those adventure hooks become quite fascinating because, uh, I mean, I just kind of give away one of the ones for Adventure of the Deadlands, there is and an enclave of orcs on the, uh, on the Eastern cliffs. And uh, during, just before the actual cleanse, the, the cleansing army happened upon them, they sent their entire, they sent all of their women and children and uh, their, their, their elderly, they, they evacuated them to Selleck. Wow. And uh, so the, th- th- this, this entire community, I mean, and while you, while at first they seem like horrendous monsters, the one thing they most want to know is what happened to their children. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, you get to take these, these characters that died in prehistory and humanize them and, and yeah. give them a lens into how the world has changed.
2: Yeah. And it it just makes for such a, so much more compelling. Uh, in many ways, that's probably what one of the biggest differences between what I've done. Well, what we've done with this, with these books and what I've seen a lot in, uh, well, in, in all, but some of the most earliest, uh, some of the earliest, uh, like stories and adventures is that, uh, yeah, you, you do want to actually have that relatability. You want to actually have that access to the characters. I mean, even, even if these characters are villains, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it makes them so much more interesting and compelling if it's not just straightforward saying, okay, this character is chaotic evil. Right. Yeah. So uh, they have
1: they have complex motivations. Oh, yes. Now, you mentioned before the Deadlands are about the size of the table Tablelands, so that's a lot of space to cover, especially if there's nothing to eat or drink while you're trying to cross it. Yep. Uh and you just mentioned uh, orcs. Are there other pre uh, cleansing wars types that are still lurking around in the corners of the deadlands, Pixies and gnomes and things like that?
2: That's where that that's it's an interesting thing. It's like in the original two ebook, there was only uh, there was only like a little bit of gnomes and a little bit of pixies mentioned in small. Home. But then somewhere along the way, one of the previous dev, dev teams, they brought in uh, orcs, they brought in trolls, they brought in ogres. Uh, they brought in uh, lizard lizard folk, mm-hmm. uh, and and so and uh, so we started seeing uh, and and yeah so, we, so we, we started oh and also goblins so we started seeing a whole range mm. of uh, of of races that really do harken back to I mean and, and do sort of call into question just how much was like the Green Age uh, athos like other settings. Uh, I mean, we we decided to kind of subvert that. I mean, one of the joys of our, of Dark Sun is that uh, all of the races, the traditional token esque races, are subverted. Uh, so we we've actually that when when you actually do encounter the orcs, when you do encounter the goblins, they're not what you'd expect from other settings. Right. And, and I mean, not maybe, maybe not necessarily visually, but more just in terms of how they are. Like the the like the idea of seeing pixies, which are gallant and heroic and self sacrificing, <laughs> is a bit of a mad idea. Or the idea of seeing goblins which are artists oh, uh, it, it, it it actually it actually sort of make or or the idea of orcs being uh sailors and farmers right. is, is is a crazy idea so it that it, it, it's like there there's similarities to the races but they're not and it's, it's not obvious like say forgotten realms clones and right so right. that and so that makes that makes them uniquely still uniquely asian even though yeah. we're bringing in what would otherwise be like i guess you'd sort of like say standard races continuing
1: to establish the unique identity of Athos as being distinct from many of the other D&D worlds of the cosmos. Well, as it should be, yeah. Um, well, who else lives there in the Deadlands?
2: Well, uh, as I mentioned, you got uh, well, something in the range of 15 factions, uh, and then this is just humanoid undead. If you go for a bit further south, you get to uh, the uh, what we call the Bug Dead. Oh. And yet, and so you actually, yes, you, you, that, that there was a lot of insects down there, but also okay. a, uh, arthropod race, uh, called the sags, the sh- sag, it's, it's a bit tricky to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's easier to write. It is much easier to write than it is to say. And, uh, yeah, so uh, it, it's, it's still uncertain as to whether they're crustacean or whether they're spider related or whether they're, uh, they're insect related. Uh, but, uh. What is what is known is uh, they're actually a race that uh, that existed uh, coexisted uh, going all the way back to the the era of the Zixiel, so like we're talking Blue Age, mm-hmm. and their uh, their their homeland was ruined by the same obsidian flow that actually wiped out the de- uh, the Deadlands, and uh, they're very very upset about that, uh, so they've spent the past millennia actually trying to exterminate all of the humanoid undead uh, north of the Horwall. wall and uh, th- this is pro- this is this is one of the reasons uh, that uh, the deadlands have not really spent that much time trying to invade other other lands they've been a bit busy yeah they got their own drama
0: <laughs> so speaking of which what kind of what do athasian other athasians kind of know about the deadlands
2: uh it, well, uh, uh, considering um, the majority of Athasians don't really read or write, uh, it, it, it's it's not going to be a whole lot. But uh, there are actually legends among most of the ra- most of the major races and among most of the at least southern uh, tablelands uh, city states. There's there's and also definitely among the uh, the merchant houses. There's different legends and different stories about interactions with this black glass land. Most of them say it's a no go zone, but every so often there's a, a story that gives a a glimpse or a little glimmer of information as to that actually gives you a sort of a, an idea of the truth as to what's actually going on down there. Mm. Okay. So
1: most of patients don't know much, Um, which is probably as it should be, because obviously your, your typical PC is not going to come from there. Mm. And if you are going on an adventure there, like say the emissary, this is all brand new to you. And, and like you were saying, it's, it's, not going to go well for murder hobos. PCs obviously have to think on their feet while they're mm-hmm. there and figure out how they're going to survive. Um, now, you mentioned a,
2: a, a bit earlier about the Dead Thrones. What are those? Well, uh, I I actually prefer to call them the, uh, the Dead Lords. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Dead Thrones are, well, we'll call them like the, the four most populous humanoid uh, kingdoms in the Deadlands, there are many other smaller, minor powers surrounding. But, uh, the, the, so if we say like in the, right in the sort of North central area above the Forbidden Mountains, you'll have Shadowmourne, Deshentu, Harkor, and, uh, the kingdoms of Gretsch all within this sort of clustered area, just west of the city of thousand dead. And these, that they, 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 that they, 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 they're, they're, it's a very, it's a very political type of, uh, Setting so that they they've been kind of trying to undermine each other and uh, and 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 squabble each other over territory and the dominance for quite a long time and uh, but but also that it provides uh, like an element of intrigue to the interactions with uh, potential uh, players
1: as well right so that's a great way for the PCs to get into a sort of the good the bad and the ugly or fistful of dollars situation of playing different factions against each other because they're the new
2: Wild card in this long-standing stalemate, and it's and yeah, absolutely. And in the case of some factions, like some minor factions, like say the disciples or the uh, Mushrafi, the mushraf's chosen, uh, that it's actually written into their story. They, uh, the the second, uh, like humans would show up, they start be using trying to use them as pawns. Right.
0: So you mentioned the disciples. Uh, who are they? Uh.
2: Well. Oh yeah. Okay. So. If you, if you go a little bit further west of uh, the uh, the dead thrones, uh, you come to uh, the uh, the pure lands of the disciples. They 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 are a, a cult of undead who worship the obsidian which spawned them. And uh, and, and, and and in many ways they behave very much like uh, as you would expect one of those revivalist cults that you that you sometimes hear about and uh, like you know those documentaries on TV. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, so so they they travel around and uh, and they set up these. Uh, temporary churches and they and and they they spend time preaching and worshiping the obsidian and also uh repairing imperfections in the obsidian as they pass along weirdly enough they actually see living beings as as a blessing as as potential like more recruits in the future so they they absolutely encourage living beings to live and thrive perversely enough the creepiest cult and the entire deadlines is actually the friendliest towards living beings of all of the factions. <laughs> it's one yeah. of those crazy things.
0: Yeah. there's, uh, you know, spoiler, there is a disciple in the emissary and my players were real freaked out by them.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. She, she, she's a bit skin crawly, isn't she? <laughs> yes.
0: yes. A great <laughs> character.
2: Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that Rajat had
1: a, a research facility in the ruins of Nargavos and, uh, obviously that is going to be the sort of thing where Roger has got super high level magic going on because you've got extra dimensional research into the gray <clears> and the elemental planes and things like that. Tell us a little bit about that, that facility and what, what kind of magical things was Roger doing? What might PCs discover there?
2: Right. Uh, the naval uh, as, as it was called uh, it's actually uh, well, it is actually technically no more. Uh, it, it was a, uh, it was destroyed when the when the gate erupted, but uh, the remnants of it, as, as it's been rebuilt, uh, are, are now called. Uh, it's one of the factions in the city of a thousand dead. Uh, it's uh, called. They're called the descendants of the chosen, and I think there's about uh, there's about 16. And most of these wizards are somewhere be- They're they're of com- They're either they're combination of either wizards, clerics, or scions, or sometimes a multi class of of, of of those. And the a- the average level of these guys is about 24. Wow. Uh, so, so yeah, so so there's there's quite a few very very powerful, and, and that's one of the interesting things about this setting. This is probably the largest concentration of epic characters I have ever seen in any book for third and a half edition. Got a real reason to dust off your Dragon King's book, huh? <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, and 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 so and some of the interesting things you find in that city there there are some there are some art there are some artifacts or there there are some entities in that city that. Uh, well, yeah, it's like if if they were properly unleashed, uh, that or they would it would it's potentially world breaking. Thanks. Um,
1: so Rajat had uh, a bunch of trees of life for doing his magical research. Um, and uh, we have a note here that there was a something called the seventh tree. Why don't you give us a, a little spoiler about that?
2: Well, have you ever ridden the subway? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well. It, 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 the interesting thing is uh, that, yeah, um, uh, he actually, he did in fact create uh, several because because finally requires uh, uh, plants. So he did create several trees of life. The last he created was he, he was expecting this to be used for the, the heavy spells that would actually do the, like working with uh, the extended travel. <clears throat> the seventh tree was meant to be intentionally more powerful and it was significantly bigger than the rest. So... uh but one of the sort of side effects of this is that, as time went on, it uh, it actually started adapting to defiling, and it also started gaining its own semblance of sentience. So when the actual gate broke, it was the seventh tree itself which closed the gate. Oh, it plugged the gate. It's actually holding the gate closed as we speak. and it's been spreading its roots underneath the entirety of Yulan. Uh, so it, it it's been searching for, it's been searching for sources of life, sources of positive energy to sustain it. But it's one of the few benevolent entities in the entire Deadlands. Normally, when I say yeah, nothing, nothing can live in the Deadlands. It's more like nothing you'd ever want to meet is alive <laughs> right. in the Deadlands. There are a few living creatures in the Deadlands, but they are even more terrifying than the undead. The exception, of course, is the Seventh Tree, and uh, you can—it's—it's it's so large, uh, PCs can walk through its roots as if they're big hollow tunnels.
1: Oh wow! And and since it's got some semblance of of awareness, if you've got a druid who can speak to plants, for instance, that could be an, an amazing source of information. And and uh, as it's burrowing underneath the deadlands, looking for sources of life, that could be a, an interesting thing for druids and clerics to follow, seeking out you know this thing that has the ability to connect to other planes and is a massive font of positive magical power uh, that is hunting for wellsprings of life energy the very things that Athos really needs to revitalize the world
2: and that's an interesting thought absolutely one of the problems with the deadlands is it's interesting you brought this up is magic mm-hmm. in general it is the, it is a giant dead zone for one thing right. uh so uh unless you unless you're a gray caster like you actually can tap into the gray or unless you deal with a uh, divine magic elemental magic you or psionics you're stuck right. uh but uh even with even with elemental magic, there's a problem because also underneath the city of a thousand dead, there's an entity called the great One, which uh, is is literally the spirit of the land corrupted. Oof. nice
1: that that also sounds like a very interesting hook for. Since the Deadlines is, is got so many high-level antagonists and, and challenges, an interesting hook for someone who's a preserver trying to do an Avangian metamorphosis. That sounds like the sort of thing that you would study, especially as you're gearing up for your travel to other planes in order to understand the, the multiverse. And, well, here's a thing that's connected to an extraplanar gateway gone awry
2: and, and a powerful font of living energy. Mm-hmm. Well, it is interesting that, that the, the gate actually... Timeline-wise, actually, it, it, it happened before the Sorcerer Kings gained their uh, Templars. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is a, 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 there's there there's some uh, theories floating around among the team. That there's nothing's actually officially sort of codified, but there's a, there's theories floating around the team that actually the uh, uh, Rajat use a much much lesser version of the Elemental Conduit for creating Templars. Is it, that that whole process is a uh, is is a dumbed down version of the Gate. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the thing that's so interesting about this is that we pretty much had to almost write a large chunk of the early part of the Cleansing Wars and a large chunk of late of late uh, time of magic and Green Age history in order to even complete the Deadlands. And so, and so, the, the, in addition to actually talking about the undead lands, it also gives a very, very deep glimpse into uh, what was happening in Athes, uh, you know, two to four thousand years ago that's fantastic so it's really coloring more of the
1: the setting it's not just a oh and here's a new chunk of adventuring land off to the side that is separate and has nothing to do with anything else but rather intimately tied into the history of how athas became a denuded world and what rajat's cleansing wars wrought upon them
2: exactly as a matter of fact within the within secrets and faces you have almost a uh like uh, either an eyewitness, you have many eyewitness accounts and also a general uh, global history of the first few years of the cleansing wars that's fair. starting from wow. the very first battles.
0: yeah that's awesome so you've mentioned uh, you know some names like the uh, Ulian and the sunrise sea and things like that um where did those names come from were they in this product uh, had they been mentioned previously or do you know kind of the history of, of some of that
2: well, uh, the 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 sunrise sea is the old, the old green the, we know it as the silt, silt sea now. It's the old green age name for the uh, silt sea.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but uh, the uh, but Ulion itself, and there, there, Well, it's it's one of the interesting things. It's like there's the names of what they are now, but they didn't always call it the city of a thousand dead. They didn't mm-hmm. always call it the dead thrones. <laughs> when, when when these guys were alive, uh, two uh, two thousand four hundred years ago, uh, it had very different names. And so, yeah, it's it, it, the, a lot of this was actually came with the product, but it, it, this was developed by some of the previous teams as well. And uh, well, the, the lore masters on my team uh, actually uh, have been digging through all of the sort of all the inf- all of the scraps of uh, Green Age uh, write ups that people have ever done, not just mm-hmm. canon, but also fanon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and i know uh, and, and we were trying to sort of we we're trying to harmonize it into uh, what's becomes uh, like a un- something that sounds unified that that uh that links together as many products as possible so that uh so that everything harmonizes and so that yeah. uh, you you actually learn about other products by reading this <laughs>
0: yeah i love that you know uh brax peter Nuttall, and will kendrick and those guys did a lot of work a long time ago um about sort of the history of the world and And I mean, they were super involved in like the cultures and everything. So a lot of those things that we start to see pop up in this, in this, um, uh, in this product, as well as, you know, the trembling planes and all that stuff, there's a lot of Mm. history there as well. It's really cool to see, to watch you guys pull all this information. You know, there's stuff that I've posted on Athos.org that you guys are like, Hey, can we use this? And I'm like, yeah, go for it. So it's really great that you're really pulling, uh, because we because we are in you know uncharted territories basically um, both literally and figuratively um, as far as like new content right no one else is creating content so we're so you guys are creating it uh, and you're using fan content that sort of fits which is awesome I think it's fantastic
2: well thank you yeah because that that's actually been what I consider to be one of the most important things when I discovered for example you remember the Deadlands of Ethics netbook some people mm-hmm. might have heard of this well making secrets actually completely blows out of the water which kind of breaks my heart because there's a lot of really good stuff in there so what we've decided to do is we're making an additional book called beyond the deadlands which uh salvages as much as we possibly can from the deadlands of athus and actually sticks on the little peripheries of the uh of the, of the dead thr- of the dead the deadlands map itself so there's a remainder of obsidian not just on the uh the, the Deadlands area, but also the Obsidian Plane goes a bit further east, west, and south. We're fleshing that out and beyond the Deadlands, and we're including things that many of the things listed in uh, Deadlands of Athas, such as the maritime orcs of Biga Fatai, mm-hmm. or uh, we're, we're talking about Venara, which is the Pixies Kingdom and uh, their, the, the place where they made their last stand. We, it's now known as the Grave of the Fairies. <laughs> I hope it's not the Grave of the Fireflies. Well, yeah. it's, 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 it's yeah, that's a very happy, yeah, it's, it's going to be nearly as happy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's excellent use of, of all that huge space that you've got there too. And it's very cool to see sort of recanonizing that older material the same way that like uh, Disney sometimes does now with Star Wars or whatnot, things that come from the old Legends continuity it has been disavowed. And then wait, that character just showed up on Mandalorian. So now they're official again. Uh, yep. Taking and, and putting a new spin on this stuff and then into that aforementioned project jury, comprehensive format, like here's everything about the Deadlands and how it integrates into the history of athens and then going through and, and taking everything that you can that, that people have really been inspired by and giving that a, a new polish. It's super cool. Uh, So you've got beyond the Deadlands, what other projects does the team have coming up that you're willing to talk about
2: anyway? Well, I mean, I can talk about the ones which are definitely going ahead. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, we're going to be having a meeting about in a week or two. One thing I will say, and I'm just going to do this as a plug, but uh, we're absolutely always looking for uh, new hands. And uh, the the more people we have on the team, the more we're going to be capable of doing. And so, if, if, if anyone is listening to this, I absolutely encourage you to contact me either through uh, Athos.org's arena or through or through Facebook, and uh, and yeah, and, and say you'd like to contribute, and uh, we'll uh, we'll work in the team, and uh, with, the, with the more manpower we have in play, the more we can, uh, yeah, the, the more we can achieve. Currently, uh, yeah, so we're 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 just focusing primarily on finishing these main books with the Deadlands first. We are. You mentioned the Trembling Plains. That's next on the menu after Ooh. that but uh, but it's, it's more of a case of uh that uh, i'm going to actually put it to the team because you you mentioned about get doing what you want and get doing what makes people happy mm-hmm. uh, if, if you want the team to have ownership of a project then you want them to choose the project and so uh and so and what i will try, i'm going to find out kind of where everyone's heading and i'm get i'm going to get in front and nice. uh and, and 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 yeah so uh, i mean like i said it's I, I don't want to be the only one leading any of this. I mean, I, I, I want them to, to sort of lead it as such. I mean, it's, it's better if I can just support as such. That, that's kind of what I do. And then I can actually insert what's useful as it comes along. But it, it just it just works better that way. But uh, like I said, n- not everyone has that initiative. Not everyone has the ability to work with others. I mean, in many ways, there are some people, they just do their thing on their own and like what? between two and 20 years later, they have a finished book.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> no disrespect. And some of those books are wonderful, but, uh, that, that, that kind of individual, they're not going to benefit from a TV environment because they don't know how to work with them. But if they have that kernel of being able to work with others, then, uh, we can, we can find a way to pair them with people that uh, can actually help their dream get done a lot faster.
1: One of the really interesting to me elements of that is that as We've moved into this digital distribution age with things, platforms like DMs Guild. Dark Sun might not be an open content source today for Dungeons and Dragons, but someday it will be. And being able to work on teams on projects like this and bring them across a finish line in a timely fashion and be consistent and interesting and have good art and layout... Uh, that's the way that you get these sorts of new products noticed. And that's the way that you get yourself noticed if you want to get into the industry and start working on bigger things. So this is a great opportunity for people who are interested in pursuing some level of a a career in, in designing games and making new supplements is jump in on one of these teams and and help get these projects uh, out the door And people will take notice of that. And it gives you the experience that you need to start moving on to even more professional projects later. And I would imagine that once the Dark Sun setting becomes open for development on DMs Guild, that we're going to see you and a lot of other people having something to say about what shape those products are going to take.
2: Well, uh, come come join my team and we'll uh, we'll get you hired. For sure.
0: Yeah, one of the things that we had kind of talked about was, you know, at, at some point, hopefully, they will be Dark Zone will be on the DM's Guild, and so instead of rolling all of, uh, you know, there's so many ideas that the team had, um, especially with Beyond Adventures or what is it, uh, Beyond the Deadlands or Adventure of yep. the Deadlands. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, let's let's hold off on that because instead of making like a super huge project, we just wanted to put out what was. Sort of the core of the project, or you know, even though it's not necessarily the core, but what has become the core of the project, um, put that out, you know, under under uh, as, um, you know, as as we had agreed to a long time ago with Wizards, um, and then anything beyond that, you know, once once it does go on the DM's Guild, you know, that stuff can be put up there for sale later if people if people want to do that. So we wanted to make sure that. Uh, that we respected the, the, the writer's creativity and their own kind of their own content as well.
2: Yeah. And uh, it's been an interesting and difficult line to walk because mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we've been able to do what we've been doing is we, as I've made it clear very early on, right at the beginning that this is strictly voluntary. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, especially when working with visual designers, like the, 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 gra- the map people, the graphics people, the artists, uh, they've actually expressly said that they don't want to work on anything that's potentially paid, mm-hmm. which I, which I, yeah. And I understand, I, I guess I can kind of understand, but it, it's, it but it puts you in an interest, interesting dilemma if you're going to transform the projects from being a, uh, from being like a, a, a fan labor of love to uh, something which actually then becomes uh, like, you know, actually earns royalties or earns uh, some sort of money back. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah, so it, it becomes a, it be, you you, might, you also you almost risk losing a portion of the team.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, we've kind of talked a little bit about the emissary. Um, one of the really things, one of the things that I really liked, um, is sort of the way the emissary starts. Uh, one of the things that really drew my uh, my players into that um, was how the emissary starts. How, how does it start, Jack?
2: Oh man, you are have to make me look up the adventure, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, well,
0: well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you then. So, the the way I did it in in my game, um, which I don't think was the direct way that it was in the in the um, in the adventure, was uh, I had my characters that, like they were super involved in tier, and so Tithian was still in tier, and so Tithian brought them into the golden um, uh, the golden city. And you know the throne room, and not only was he there, but these two other characters were
2: there. Chijar the Seer, and uh, yeah.
0: Yes, so these there's two characters that are uh, Templars of Nibenae and um, and Gulg, and the fact the the fact that these two people were working together, um, and they had this kind of quest for for the PCs to go on was huge because, you know, Nibaneh and Gulg are kind of classic enemies. And so the fact that there were these two people from Nibene and Gulg working together just really lit a fire under my players. And they were just like, holy cow, if they think this is important and they're working together, it's something we should definitely do. And so... That was a, a super cool uh, way to kind of start this adventure, and I'm—I don't remember, uh, you know—I haven't gotten back and looked to see if that was one of the original, you know, part of the original adventure or if it was added later. But regardless, it, it was a cool way to start.
2: Yeah, no, it's—I think that was all the way in the original. If memory serves, okay. and I, I do—I do remember now. I'm look—I'm looking at it now. I, I, I've uh, my my brain's been slush going through all this editing <laughs> in the past <laughs> little while. Uh, It's—I mean, last time I looked at the uh, uh, this adventure, I was like, okay, I need to stick some more graphics here, here, here. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no, no, I know I I 100% agree, and, it's, and actually getting getting the an important part of adventures is is actually having the PCs have a reason why uh, to to actually to to do what they're doing. And if 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 you got if you got people that actually understand the stories and the setting and have actually had that experience with it, then then the yeah then then touches the and details. I mean, you almost you, you can almost call it's not I don't know if you call them Easter eggs, but uh, yeah, th- those those things do appeal. Uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah, since as, as one of the things we're doing. in Adventures of Deadlands. Uh, we actually have a couple of adventures which are sequels to each other. Like mm-hmm. they they've already experienced one character in one in one context, and then in a later adventure they experience the character in a very different context. And uh, and 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 it actually just adds weight to the interaction.
0: Yeah, definitely. Recurring right. characters are awesome, <laughs> for sure.
2: Excellent. Well, well I like- think.
0: Sorry, go ahead, Jessica.
1: I was just going to say, it sounds like you've got a a heck of a project that is going to be a real thriller for all Dark Sun fans. And uh, even for folks who don't get a chance to play it, that reading through this is going to fire a lot of inspirational ideas for DMs out there. I hope so.
0: Yeah, so we will be hearing more from from Jack um, and his team. Um, So Jack, if people want to contact you to contribute or to uh you know to, to how can they how can they do that or if they find a typo or anything like that how can they get that information to you
2: okay so if you do find any errors or typos please keep it to yourself <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> uh no it's, but seriously uh, no it's uh, we actually uh it's actually absolutely crucial one of the things I did in this project early on I and mean, we actually added an additional chapter to the end of secrets because on the arena people were asking questions as to why the uh, why why the dead Lords have not left uh, the deadlands
1: and so oh, I actually added
2: an extra chapter right to the end of the book explicitly to uh, answer these questions uh, yeah but actually that that feedback from the audience is absolutely crucial to making a quality product. And, uh, and so I absolutely encourage you to contact myself or any member of the team. Uh, you can find me on ARENA, uh, the, the, the ATHIS.org Aethis for, forum, or you can find me uh, in uh, the, 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 the Facebook Dark Sun groups. Uh, yeah, so I, I absolutely encourage you to contact me. If you, have, if you have find any issues or find any things that require feedback, let me know as soon as possible. We, we'll, we'll probably actually be doing uh, like revisions on the documents as we go on later in the future. Uh, we've already done one revision of uh, the emissary uh which which was launched when we when we launched it just a few weeks because we because we actually ran a beta test program with uh several players and yeah so because we that feedback is just absolute gold dust and similarly if people actually think they can they can do better then i absolutely i formally invite you to come join us because <laughs> uh like i said if, if uh, uh the the the, 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 the there's a there's a there's a use for everybody and uh the best people to have, uh, when working on stats, or uh, are going to be like, you know, the most pedantic people when it comes to like third, third, third and a half edition. You find things wrong with my stats? Come join us and fix it. You, uh, you are, are you, uh, are you a bloody know-it-all when it comes to dark Sun lore? Come join us and help us actually shape the. We're eventually going to be doing. Uh, we're looking at doing a, a, like, little small snippets of uh, different sections of under. Represented parts of the, of the Ethesian Cartographer's Guild map.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: come come join come join us and 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 populating the world little by little, get, giving DMs things to play with. I mean, it, it, it just every, everyone sharing that knowledge and actually having a structure for that knowledge. That's how uh, that's how settings build. That's how settings grow. That's how settings sustain for new generations. Well, Dark Sun has featured a lot of calls to
1: action, and that certainly sounds like another one. For sure. I hope so.
0: So, thank you for joining us, Jack. Uh, You've told us where people can find you. Jesse, where can people find you on the internet?
1: I, I of course, am on uh, Facebook and Twitter under my real name, Jesse Heinig. And you will occasionally spot me uh, lurking on some of the Facebook groups or the Athos forums. um, And you can see my day job work at Star Trek Online. Um, And uh, I will occasionally post bits of Dark Sun information uh, via Reddit. Facebook, and Twitter. Nice. Jesse, how many jobs do you actually have? Uh, Well, (laughs) Star Trek Online is my day job. And then in addition, I've contributed to, uh, let's say, numerous (laughs) other projects.
2: That's what I thought. (laughs)
0: Nice, and I'm Robert Aducci. You can find me on Twitter at Radu76. You can also find me on the Arena forms. You can email me at radu at org. I'm on the Facebook groups. And um, I just started a new job uh, with 2C Gaming. 2C Gaming does uh, fi- mostly 5th edition content right now, although we're, we're reaching out into other stuff as well. Um, they're best known for their Epic Legacy series, which is levels twenty-one to thirty in fifth edition. And I just got to tell you, reading through all that content, I'm like, this just screams Dark Sun. And so, um, I've also got a Patreon, which I've I've kind of converted from um, from just kind of doing pro GM stuff to to more Dark Sun centric. And so, I think I'll probably be converting, um, creating some. Dark Sun high-level content uh, based on the Epic Legacy stuff in the near future.
1: Interesting. Very tasty. Congrats on the new gig.
0: Thanks. Yeah, it's been awesome. So I think that is going to wrap it up Wrap it up for us today as we adventure into the Deadlands. Go ahead and go to org and pick up The Emissary and Secrets of the Deadlands now, and then hopefully in the not too near future, uh, or far future, there will be Faces of the Deadlands too. So. Thanks, uh, thanks, Jack, for, for joining us.
1: You've been Thank a wonderful, you for having yeah. me. And, uh, to all of our listeners, make sure to, to leave some notes for Jack about the things that you love about these products once you get a chance to read them. Definitely. Yeah, right, only send have... me good news. <laughs> <laughs> That's what your all assistant right. producer's for, right? So that you only hear <laughs> the good news.
0: <laughs> there you go. All right, everybody. Have a good night.
2: Good night. All. Cheers.